going to go uh, to the book of Jonah. Thank you. The book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1. Dave, if you could start with reading verses 1 to 4. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come to be, come before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. So here again, we have another storm at sea. <laughs> Last week we talked about the one that Paul was in, and also the one that Jesus' disciples were in, and here is another storm at sea, and it was caused by Jonah the prophet. And God told him to go and preach against that great city, Nineveh. At that time... So did a little background on, on, on Nineveh. And Nineveh was a city, it was the largest city of the world at that time. It was a great city. And it was the capital of the, of the Assyrian Empire, which was the enemy of Israel. You read back in the book of Kings and in, in the book of Chronicles, uh, where Hezekiah was confronted by Sennacherib, king of Assyria. Well, this is the same Assyria and the same capital of Assyria, Nineveh. And now God tells Jonah, go down to that great city and preach, you know, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come before me. So, you see that Jonah, for some reason, doesn't want to do it. And here is a great example in the Word of God of a man's will versus God's will. God tells him to do something. There's many examples of it, but this is one of the very plain ones. And we don't see right away what's motivating Jonah. We find out eventually what's motivating him. But at the beginning, all we know is God tells him to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And so instead of doing what God tells him to do, he follows his own will. As we were talking about earlier, about the Lordship of Jesus and being in submission to His Lordship, that there are 
times when we resist that. I mean, that's just our the nature of every man and woman. It's, it's our nature to resist the will of God, our human nature. And that's why we must, Jesus said, we must deny ourselves that nature. And here it is. God says, and there's things that we know that God tells us to do that maybe we just make excuses for. We say, we'll get to it later. We put it in a little dark closet there. And we just hold it and keep it in there and keep it locked. And, you know, and the Lord says, unlock that and let me in. And you say, well, yeah, I, I will eventually. Or, or maybe, you know, we try to divert our attention to other areas and things like that. And we do a little fancy footwork. But there's the will of God laid out for us. And we try to justify not accepting God's will. The Lordship of Jesus. He tells us to love even our enemies like like this. Jonah is called to preach repentance to the enemies of Israel. And he has no love for them, as we see as we go down the road in this story. But we also see that because Jonah resists the will of God, that God brings trouble to him. Trouble comes to everybody, and it's not always because we're resisting the will of God. But in this case, and some cases in our life, that is the case. That is exactly what happens sometimes. We There is trouble that we must face because it's the will of God, and sometimes there's trouble that we bring on ourselves because God brings discipline into our life, as we read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So as we continue in this story, we see that God sent out a great wind on the sea, as Dave read in verse 4, and there was a mighty storm, tempest, on the sea, and the ship was about to be broken up. Now we read in the book of Acts last week, where the ship was about to be broken up uh, in the sea because they didn't listen to Paul, and they, that, that Euryclidon hit, and that great storm hit, and... They, they tied the ship with cables. They put cables underneath the ship to tie it up to prevent it from breaking apart. Same thing. They're afraid the ship was about to break apart here. Okay, and as we pick up in verse 5, we follow the story. And Dave, uh, you can pick it up to the end of the chapter here. <clears throat> then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then he, had said, then he said to them, 
What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Okay. <clears throat> so, once again, another cargo is lost. And then, it says in verse 5, it says, Jonah went down in the lowest part of the ship and fell asleep. He knew what this was about. And it says later, he says, for I know this, in verse 12, at the end of verse 12, for I know this great storm is because of me. He knew it. And he said that, and he was trying to hide from it. And he goes down to the very bottom of the ship, and he, and he sleeps. He goes to sleep. It's like, and he, he knows he's running from God. He knows he's not doing it with right. He knows that God is disciplining him. But he just goes down to the bottom of the ship and goes to sleep. And they wake him up. <laughs> and the captain says, what do you mean, O sleeper? You know, call on the Lord, call on your God, you know. So finally, they try to figure out, well, why has this come upon us? And they cast lots. Who caused this trouble, you know? Something happened here that caused this kind of trouble to us. There's probably no, not even any sign of a storm. That, you know, they thought this was strange for some reason. They said it, they perceived that this must have happened because somebody did something wrong. And it says that the storm kept on getting worse and worse. And so they cast lots. That's a dice game. They cast lots, and the lot fell to Jonah. And so they asked him the question, what have you done? And so finally, he tells them that he's an Israelite, and that he's, it says that he had fled from the presence of the Lord. And you know, we don't realize it, but, you know, when we're not accepting Jesus' Lordship in areas of our life, in those areas, we're kind of setting him aside. We're holding his presence at arm's length, and you know, and it affects our walk with him, our spiritual walk. And this is this is a picture of what happens. Not that we get swallowed up by a fish, but you see that God responds to our uh, disrespect are not honoring His Lordship in our life in different areas. And He begins to discipline us. And Jonah knows that this storm has become because of him. And so they say, well, what do we do? They say, throw me in the ocean. They don't want to do it. But after they try everything else, throw them in. And 
Isn't it funny, once again, the sea becomes calm. Just like when Jesus said, peace be still, and the storms were calm, and the waves stopped and everything else. Now, you know that you get thrown in the middle of the sea. You know, if somebody doesn't rescue you, you're not going to be out there very long. Maybe you're going to get killed by a shark. Maybe you're going to drown. It's most likely, unless you find something to float on something, you're going to probably drown. But it says that God had prepared ahead of time. God is always prepared, and He was prepared for this too. He doesn't do anything by the seat of the pants. God knows exactly what He's doing, and He goes ahead. As it says in the book of Isaiah, He calls the end from the beginning. He knows the future, and He knows what to do in every situation. The Bible says that God already knows, in the words of Jesus, God already knows the things that we need ahead of time. But He still tells us to ask for them. He already knows what we need. So God knows He has foresight of the future. He proves it in fulfilled prophecies. And time again, His Word has been confirmed and is still being confirmed to this very day. So here, they throw him in the, in the fish. They throw him out in the ocean, I'm sorry, or the sea. And a great fish swallows him up because God had prepared it to be that way. Even though it seems really scary to be swallowed up by a great fish, it's assumed it was a whale. There's not many big fish that can swallow a human whole. Maybe there was others at that time, we don't know, but we'll just say it was a whale just for you know, for imagination's sake. And so he's swallowed by a whale. He's gonna say, even though it sounds very dangerous, no harm comes to him. And God has him safely there for three days. So God didn't let him drown. Didn't get him let eaten by a shark. So it shows that God was still in control and God was working out his will to this stubborn rebellion of a, of a man of God. This is a great prophet, and yet God disciplines him also. And so he's sitting in the belly of the whale for three days. And so Jonah prayed while he was in there. And he was in there for three days and three nights. Jesus referred to it. Jesus also referred to the preaching of Jonah. And so it says in verse 10 of the second chapter, So the Lord spoke to the fish and had vomited Jonah into dry land. You know, in chapter 2 we won't read the prayer of Jonah, but look it over. And, you know, the one thing that stands out to me, he sounds very sorry for not doing what he did was supposed to do. But you don't see and hear a real attitude of repentance, you know, that, you know, that you would have expected. Maybe he said and felt it wasn't recorded anyway. Who knows what he was thinking. But the reason I say that is because of what follows. If you study the prayer, then it kind of doesn't, you know, you see what follows and it kind of makes sense when you listen to his prayer. 
Sheikh Den David will pick up in chapter 3 of uh, the book of Jonah and just read the whole short chapter there, mm -hmm. ten, mm -hmm. 10 verses. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest of the, to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. <clears throat> now some may say, well, you know, God said something and he didn't do it. He wasn't true to his word. It's understood in God's character that <clears throat> that if a man changes and repents, that God will with, withhold the judgment from him. Because the Bible says, the soul that sins shall surely die. It's in the book of the law. And we all have sinned. But because of God's grace and mercy through his Son, he forgives us of our sins, and he doesn't bring the judgment upon us that he proclaimed against all of us. For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. And so, <clears throat> there's this great repentance at the preaching of, of Jonah in the great city of Nineveh, the great wicked city. And you see the extent of this repentance. And God, because they repented, He withheld judgment from them. But the repentance, unfortunately, <clears throat> doesn't last throughout the history of Nineveh. And the judgment that God proclaimed against Nineveh, although it didn't come in the 40 days that Jonah said, it eventually did come. And, the, and you read from the prophets, Isaiah, before it happened, before this time of Jonah, and after the time of Jonah, the prophets Nahum and Zephaniah later on, they proclaim disaster against Nineveh, and eventually it happens. In the year 612 B.C., uh, the Babylonians and the Medes rebelled against Assyria and uh, destroyed the Assyrian Empire and destroyed the city of Nineveh, burned it to the ground, and it was never rebuilt. Just like the prophets said from Isaiah, Zephaniah, and Nahum. 
So God's word eventually was fulfilled. There was a there was a time of grace and mercy, but eventually what God proclaimed was going to happen did happen. And the city of Nineveh was destroyed. And the Assyrian capital, the Assyrian empire did fall and it was replaced by Babylon. <clears throat> Not only was Nineveh and the whole empire of Assyria known for their immorality and idol worship, but they're also known for their cruelty, their meanness, which, which is why their subjects, there was that rebellion of the, the Medes and the Babylonians. Okay, so then we'll go to uh, chapter 4, and Dave, you can read that chapter. It's only 11 verses there, too. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord, and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, so I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore, now, O Lord... Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for him his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, You have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in the night and perished in the night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and much livestock. Okay. So now we get down to the real issue with Jonah. There is this great repentance. If you walked into a city, you go into a great city like Philadelphia, and you preach repentance to that city, God's going to bring judgment against you, your city you know, here if you don't repent. You know, in 40 days, God's going to destroy this city. And they repent. Shouldn't you be happy? But Jonah wasn't happy. Because this was his enemy. This was the enemy of his country. This was the enemy of his people. Jesus tells us to love our enemies. Do good to those who do evil to us. Bless those who curse us. Why? Because God loves them. And he wants us to love them too. And this is a real issue that we have to deal with, each one of us, in our hearts. 
It is an attitude of the heart. We read the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, kindness. You don't see any of that in Jonah right now towards his enemy. But yet the Spirit says this way, and our human nature says that way. And we go that way, and then God begins to reason with us. And first he prepares a storm. Then he prepares a fish. Then he prepares a plant. Then he prepares a worm. <laughs> and then he prepares a strong wind that beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. God was dealing with Jonah, and he had all this stuff lined up like soldiers, like dominoes, one after another. Just ready. He knew what Jonah was going to do, and he had this prepared. He knew what Jonah was going to do there, and so he had that prepared. What was God doing? He was dealing with Jonah's ungodly attitude. He was nowhere in line with the heart of God in this whole thing. And because of that, here comes the Lord. All these different... You see God has different tools in the toolbox. You see that God has different things that He can at His disposal, all kinds of resources. Now, God doesn't prepare a fish for everybody. God deals with those individuals. With Jonah, He had a fish. With us, it's different things in our life. Where there's areas of our life that we are unwilling to accept the Lordship of Jesus. And like I said, it's trouble. And it's trouble that God brings upon us discipline to change us. To bring us in line with His attitude, with His will, with the life of Jesus. And we have to look at examples like this, and it says these things are written for our learning. These things are for It's not just a history lesson. You know, this is one of the most popular stories of the Old Testament. And many people who aren't even Christians know about the, or Jews know about the story of Jonah. It's one of the most famous stories in the Bible. But they don't see, and we don't see ourselves and the Jonah story in our own life. And there is a Jonah story in each of our lives, whether we recognize it or not. Not going into a ship and not getting swallowed by a whale. But there's this this wrestling between our will and God's will. And you see the different things that God does. And how God uses different things to confront and reason with Jonah. He doesn't just say, ah, Jonah, you're all wrong and you're not right and that's the end of it. You know, when he says to him, he begins to reason with him. He reasoned with Jonah while he was in the fish's belly, before he was vomited out. He reasons with Jonah when he's in the bottom of the ship. He reasons with Jonah while he's running away to Tarshish instead of going to uh, Nineveh. God is reasoning with him all along, and as God is reasoning with him, he's running, running, running. Until he's in the whale's belly, and he can't 
There's nowhere to go, nowhere to hide. And so he goes out, and he does what he's told, but his heart still isn't right. And that's, we can do that too. Where we're, I'm doing what God said, because God says to do it, and I, you know, I don't want God to judge, I don't want God to discipline me, so I'm doing it, because I, you know, I was in that whale, and I want to go back in that whale, and I want God's judgment on me, so i got to do it, so I'm doing it because I have to do it. His heart's not right, though. His heart is not completely right before God. Because even though he's doing what God says, the attitude of his heart is still at odds with God. He doesn't care about these people. He wants God to bring judgment against these people. He wants God to destroy his enemies. And God does not rejoice in the destruction of the wicked, the Bible says. He doesn't, God does not want to destroy people. Jesus didn't come to destroy people, but to save people. God takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. Why? It says He wants them to be saved. He doesn't want them to be destroyed. Because He loves man. He loves mankind. He wants people to come to Him. God is not wanting any to perish but all to come to repentance, Peter says. God doesn't want any to perish. You see that in the attitude of Jesus when He came. He reached out to even the worst of sinners. And He called all to repentance. Wasn't the attitude of Jonah. And you know, we don't know whatever happened to Jonah. It's the last you hear of Jonah. He's referred to by Jesus a couple times. Things like that. What happened to Jonah after that? We don't know. But the fact is, to the end of this story, we don't see any change in his attitude. You just see that stubbornness, you know, that in verse 1, he's displeased because they repent. And so, <clears throat> he pr- listen to what he prays to God in verse 2. Ah, oh, Lord, wasn't this what I said when I was still in my country, when he's still in Israel? When God told him to do it. He said, therefore I fled to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. He knew that God didn't want to judge them, and he was afraid when when God told him, when he was still in his own country, before he fled, he told God this. And he didn't want to do it because he knew that if, if he preached to them, that they might repent. And he didn't want them to. He didn't want his enemies to repent. He wanted his enemies to be destroyed. Love our enemies. Do good to those who do evil to us. Bless those who persecute you, and speak all manner of evil about you, and separate you from their company. To love them in return. Do not be overcome evil, but overcome evil by doing good towards those who do evil to us. That is the inner conflict of our soul that we see that Jonah was going through right here. And so, in verse 3, Jonah says, Lord, kill me. Take my life from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't even want to see this. He's so so discouraged by what he sees. God having mercy on his enemies. (laughs) And so, in verse 4, 
God reasons with them. He doesn't he doesn't be harsh with them. He just says to him, that small still small voice, Is it right for you to be angry like this? But God begins to reason with his conscience. Is what you're doing right? Verse 5, Jonah sits under the... He makes himself a little shelter outside the city. He wants to see what's going to happen because he believes he's waiting for God to bring judgment to them. He hasn't done it yet because he saw them repent, but he wants to see what's going to happen. And so he's sitting outside that city. Makes a he doesn't go back to Israel. He sits outside the city. Makes a little shelter for himself. And he just sits there. Tries to make a little shade for himself. And so God prepared this plan, it says. And the plan came up and gave him more shade from the heat of the sun. And he was happy about it. But then the next day, God prepares a worm. Eats the plant. The plant wilts. And now he's angry again. It withered. And then God makes this wind come up, and the east wind beats on his head, and the sun beats on his head, and he got faint. And again he asked, he wishes for death. It is better for me to die than to live. And then God said to Jonah, again reasoning with Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? And Jonah's answer, it is right for me to be angry even to death. You see, this man has become so warped in his bitterness and his anger. And you see what happens down the road to somebody who becomes overcome by the evil that others do. The evil of Nineveh. He doesn't want to forgive. He doesn't want them to repent. He sees them to repent, and he doesn't like what he's seeing. He doesn't like that God isn't judging them. And now he's completely despondent in his bitterness. And so God continues to, in that still small voice, to confront him and to reason with his conscience. And he says in verse 10 again, but you have had pity on this plant. You didn't work for it. You didn't make it grow. Came up in the night and perished in the night. Shouldn't I pity Nineveh, the great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot tell between their left hand and their right and much cattle. Now some people, would, some of the scholars say, well there was 120,000 children of these adults in this great city that the, 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 there's many more adults, but just talking about the number of people because they couldn't tell their right hand from their left. You know, when a child is small, they, they don't know. You say, which one's your left hand and which one's your right? They don't know. So it could be that or it just could be the ignorance of their darkness. We don't know. All as we know is that God was expressing His mercy for their ignorance of the children and cattle or just for their, the ignorance of the people of Nineveh in general. We don't know. And you notice the one thing that isn't recorded is Jonah's answer to that question. You know, we would love to have known the answer to this how how much further this conversation went and what eventually happened to Jonah, but we do. The one thing we do know is that if we don't do good to those who do evil to us, if we become bitter and ang embittered and angry to those who wronged us, even those of our own household, we can become 
a bitter man, a bitter woman like this, Jonah here. And completely in the dark about God's way and God's love. You see, it's just completely, completely hidden from his eyes. And God begins to reason with him and show him and things like that. And it's one of the hardest things that God calls us to do as a Christian. And there are many other things within the Lordship of Jesus to reject immorality and lasciviousness and lewdness, to reject greediness, to reject materialism, to reject um, all kinds of retaliation to those that do wrong to us. To reject ungodliness of every kind. But at the center of this all is to walk in the love of Jesus. Means to lay down your life for those who don't deserve it. While we were yet sinners, we read a few weeks ago, Christ died for the ungodly. And this is the character of Jesus. And if we reject it, God is going to put us through a process of reasoning. To reason with us through His own way to love those who don't love us. To do good to those who do evil to us. To not let their evil overcome us, but overcome evil with good. If there's anger, bitterness, unforgiveness in our heart, this is this is common to all of us to to have to be confronted with this. And how do we get rid of it? Well, we can see from what we read here that God is speaking to us and reasoning with us just like He was reasoning with Jonah. <clears throat> That's what I want to stop with today, <clears throat> Brother Dave. If you want to respond to that. Dan, Dan, anybody else? It's very convicting. You know, there's, it's easy to read this as a story and think that Jonah was such a horrible guy. <laughs> but that horrible guy can live inside of each one of us as well. Sometimes, you know, I think of times when people have hurt people I love and and um, it's been very, very hard for me to want what's best for them, which is that they would find repentance and forgiveness with God and see their wrong and and be delivered and set free, you know. But so many of us are much more inclined to do that when somebody hurts us. But if they hurt somebody we love, it's, it's very difficult. Um, so I just took that and sort of, you know, took the rebuke for my own life because uh, I know that I have work to do still. I'm in struggle, brother.